This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by DuPont. Together, we can feed the world. DuPont commits 60% of its R&D dollars towards this goal. From working with farmers and growers around the world to help increase crop yields, to developing a wide range of packaging materials to enable the food to be transported without spoilage. We're working every day to get food to more people. Providing for the needs of a growing population will help developing countries prosper and foster economic growth around the world. Welcome to the Global Collaboratory. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. Our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic this week is Bing Von Bergen, who is a wheat grower and president of the National Association of Wheat Growers. He's from Montana. Tell me about uh, the area where you live and what kind of uh, uh, conditions you raise wheat under. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for having me on your uh, your show. Uh, I'm in central Montana, uh, which is, uh, we're at 4,200 feet here. It's the High Plains Desert, I guess, is what you would consider our area. Uh, my rainfall area right here is about anywhere from 15 to 16 inches of rainfall a year. There's lots of parts of the wheat growing area of Montana that only get 10 to 12 inches of rainfall a year. So we're, uh, we don't get a lot of the, we're not like the Midwest, we're not like Ohio or Illinois that gets 35, 40, 50 inches. So wheat is, is still uh, the primary crop grown in Montana. We, uh, raised a lot of winter wheat, uh, parts of the area, especially as you get north, uh, up towards the Canadian border. Winter survivability sometimes is not real good, so uh, they raise a lot of spring wheats up there. But we, we raise wheat. I raise winter wheat, spring wheat, barley, and uh, add, uh, yellow peas on my place and some greens. So that's kind of what we do in, in this particular neck of the woods. Bing, let me talk to you about ag policy and about the National Association of Wheat Growers. You have uh, announced the hiring of Jim Palmer as your new CEO, who will start the 1st of June. Can you give me a little bit of reasoning why you hired him and what type of background he brings to the job? Well, we had a, we had a lot of applicants for the jobs. It was uh, pretty impressive, the amount of applicants we had and the quality of the applicants we had. We narrowed it down to three finalists and our executive board, which is a director from each state, um, interviewed the, the three finalists and, and chose, chose Jim. He's, uh, he's been involved in the soy industry for a lot of years and he, he understands, uh, policy issues. Uh, he's, he's been involved in, uh, developing the soybean checkoff. So he's, he's been involved in all aspects of of the soy industry and also in leadership there running the Minnesota soy. So he's, he has a lot of experience, not necessarily in wheat, but a lot, like I said earlier, you know, on, on just on, even on commodities, uh, following each other in pricing uh, the, the principal commodity, we all face the same issues. So he's, he's aware of the issues. Uh, he's, he's been involved in, in all aspects, so we, we're very confident and very excited about him being on board with us to, uh, to steer us through this. Bing, the Farm Bill markup is going to start soon in the U.S. Senate, and I wonder if you could tell me the top priorities of the National Association of Wheat Growers, especially in the commodity title. Sure. 
obviously our, our top priority is uh, federal crop insurance and preserving it at the level and the same as it is right now. That That is our top priority for any safety net, is uh, to maintain federal crop insurance. That's the most important part of uh, any safety net for us. As far as the commodity title, we still uh, support um, a, rev a farm level revenue trigger. Uh, that is that is what the, the the board of directors from 22 states believe is the most important uh, part of a Title I uh, safety net uh, that's independent of federal crop insurance. So those are the those are our main priorities. Federal crop insurance ultimately is still is still our, our important safe most important safety net. Are you at this time the only major commodity organization that wants this uh, revenue guarantee at the farm level? Um, I wouldn't. There's soy, for example, soy's come out with some press releases. Soy still would like a, a revenue uh, plan at the farm level if it's achievable. Uh, corn uh, is not opposed to it. They're, they're looking more to the county level, but uh, I'm not going to speak for the other organizations. It's, uh, I can only speak for what the National Association of Wheat Growers supports, and it is, we are a different commodity just because of where we're, we're grown, where our crops are grown. You know, when, when you're in a 10 to 15 inch rainfall area, in some areas even less than that, that's why a farm level is so important for us, just because of the demographics of where we farm. Uh, on one end of a county, our counties are so big in wheat country. I mean, I have we have 50, I believe 54 counties in the state of Montana, and it's the third largest state in the lower 48 states. So our counties are so large, and that's why that is why the wheat industry does not support a county level trigger. It's critical we get a farm level coverage just because of the sheer size of our counties and the chance. The slim chance of getting a, a county revenue plan to trigger for us. Let me ask you about the um, potential for the chair, Debbie Stabenow, on the Senate Ag side to put your priorities in her mark. And then let me turn it to Frank Lucas, who's the chair on the House side, and he comes from a wheat district. How do you think you'll fare with the chairs of both of these committees endorsing? the National Association of Wheat Growers' priorities? Well, we're very confident that uh, the Senate Ag Committee will come out with with a proposal that, we'll, that we will think is good uh, and we'll get it to the Senate and pass. Uh, we're also confident on the on the House side that Chairman Lucas will get a proposal out of the, of, out of the House that uh, we believe that the House will pass. The ultimate you know, the, the ultimate goal is to get a farm bill done, and, and Washington, D.C. is about compromise. We're very confident that when the House and the Senate do get together, that they will come up with a compromise in conference that uh, will please the wheat industry and will please all the commodities. Uh, we have, I have a lot of faith in our political system. Uh, we don't want to put any roadblocks to get it out of the House or the Senate. We need to get it into conference and let uh, and let politics in Washington D.C. Uh, do what they do best, and that is compromise. Uh, that might sound laughable right now, but I do have a lot of, of faith in our in our political system, especially the ag end. 
uh, the agriculture community has always shown a, a, a very they always compromise and they'll always come to terms and uh, to terms and uh, we don't believe that this will be any different this year staying with the commodity title and the potential of uh, target prices being put in by the southerners what would that uh, do to you as a wheat grower could it distort the market both the house and the senate are very concerned about market distortion so i believe that they will put the parameters in there necessary to, to lessen the market distortion. Um, everybody that's involved is concerned about that. So we don't want anything that will have market distortions part of it. So I believe both the House and the Senate will do everything in their power to lessen that possibility. You mentioned crop insurance earlier. Are you concerned about linkage of crop insurance to conservation compliance? or some type of means test on being able to qualify? Uh, we're very concerned. Uh, I think that there's some well, people that are well and have good intentions don't fully understand the potential ramifications of, of, of what they're promoting. And I don't think that it's, I don't think that they're, it seems common sense to them to demand conservation compliance, for example. Well, it's, a, it's taken a lot of years to get federal crop insurance to where it is at right now. If you change the dynamics of it, if you change that, that premium payer pool, uh, we don't know what's going to happen. If you, if you throw out, uh, I'm, just, I'm just hypothetical in here, throw out 10% of the people. We know in the wheat industry that we are the highest risk of all the commodities just because of where our crops are grown. We tend to be in low moisture areas that are more at risk. If you throw 10% of the people out that don't qualify for one set of means testing or the other, that will have a serious change in the pool. And we, it's only common sense to us that, that our, our premiums will go up. Uh, it's inevitable. It's no different than if you, uh, change your pool in a, in a car insurance pool. Uh, the people that are higher risk, their premiums will have to rise. If our premiums in wheat industry get too high, and they're fairly, they're very high right now, I pay, I pay a lot of money for my federal crop insurance. If they get up too high, it's, it's inevitable you're going to see some farmers drop out of federal crop insurance. We don't know where that tipping point is where you change the dynamics enough that the whole federal crop system might fall apart. I, I think that well-intentioned sometimes has unintended consequences, and that's what we fear on this, and that's why we're against any means testing in federal crop insurance. Let me finish up with uh, the future for your industry in biotechnology. It's been uh, kicked around for quite some period of time that there could be biotech wheat. What's the status of it now? Probably realistically, ten years away from getting biotechnology in wheat. Uh, there's, we support biotechnology in wheat. We believe that the, to ultimately feed the masses uh, in the future, it, 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 we have to have it. Uh, we we have to increase our our food by seventy percent by the year the food production by seventy percent by the year two thousand fifty. That's that's 
that's a huge chore. And to be quite honest, as an as an agriculturist, I don't know if it's achievable. It's a massive undertaking. And and I just if people would look at the sheer numbers of who of the people we've got to feed and the the food consumption that's going to be required, uh, it's it's a massive challenge ahead of us. So the the biotechnology, the, the your our industry partners in the, the chemical industry and the seed industry are moving ahead at a at a, a pace that they we believe will uh, allow the world to embrace it. Uh, they're not only working just on biotechnology; they're they're working on uh, conventional breeding, trying to improve the, the wheat varieties there. Uh, ultimately, to feed the world, I and and I know that some people poo paw that, and it doesn't fall on the on on the right ears sometimes. But that's reality. We it is going to be a challenge to feed the world. Uh, and obviously, biotechnology will not be released. Uh, in wheat until the until our overseas markets are are ready for it, uh, but when you have the when you have the the Pope come out and say we've got to embrace biotechnology to feed the the masses, I think we should really. The Pope does not like to make a political statement, uh, and obviously the, he they believe that it's a necessity. So, so I I, I it's moving slowly. Uh, all the ducks and it will be in a row before it's released, but ultimately uh, I believe we will have it. Ming Von Bergen, thank you very much for being our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. Okay, thank you very much, Ken. Appreciate it. AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by DuPont. Together, we can feed the world. I'm Ken Root.